good evening, everyone, and welcome back to the We Shall Not Sleep podcast. Thank you for joining us again this week. Appreciate you following us, subscribing to our YouTube channel, following us, and liking us on any type of podcasting platform that you may come across, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, which we're hosted. And you can continue to follow our, us on Facebook, where our updates and stream links are posted. Well, another Wednesday here, another Camel Day gone here for us in the West. As you're listening to this, it's just past 7 o'clock. I hope you all have been doing well. It has been, my goodness, what a what a strange, strange year in a way. A lot of, a lot of ups and a lot of ups this year. Uh, still, the reality of life, and that, that's kind of like the one thing I wanted to talk about. When when Jesus says, you know, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow. Well, I mean, for today has enough trouble of its own. You know, um, I I think to myself when 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 he's talking about this, and, and this is in the big big run in the gospel account of Matthew chapters 5 through 7 where the Sermon on the Mount is delivered. And, I mean, how, I mean, it's so funny. We, we, we fight, we crawl, we scratch our way to our own sort of worldly, lived-in wisdom, and we get as far as the Bible that was stitched together over you know, a very long time, over 2,000 years. Uh, we, it has been a source for in literature and wisdom and God's knowledge for us here and in Christianity, obviously, the Old Testament was written a lot much longer ago than that. It's funny that we don't get very far away from the things that have already been said, already been written about, have already been thought, because these people have lived just like us. I mean, we're no different. We just have different ways of of doing things and connecting with each other. Might eat a little bit different food, speak a different language, but we're all still human, all dealing with the same problems. Now, I doubt that Moses and Abraham worried about their golf swing like I am sometimes, but I'm sure they did something to, to blow off some steam. Well, when I, I think about just not worrying about things, you know, it, I think about also like best laid plans, things that you can look forward to. And I don't think that's bad. I don't think planning and, and trying to prepare for what could happen, I don't think that that is anti-biblical at all. Because worry is about what's in your control and putting yourself in a position where you can't control it. I can control how I will respond to situations. I can control how I will pre- prepare. You know, if, if God gives me the ability to take some paid time leave, you know, some PTO, and I go on a vacation, but I don't pack anything, I don't take any money, and I don't you know, have a way of communicating with people, I'm not going to blame God for when I have some troubles on the road. But what I find myself when you worry, it's worrying about all the things that you can't control, about other people, about what may or may not happen. You're starting to put yourself in the role of God. That's where I've always found where worrying in the past truly, truly had an impact on my life. Because a lot of people talk about anxiety. A lot of people talk about having like this nervousness, this thing that, that kind of cripples you. And I've been in relationships with people who have had anxiety, and I didn't really, I didn't really relate to them. And it was in my own arrogance because I absolutely could relate to them because I was, you know, just put off by anxiety as a high schooler and as a, somebody in college who didn't understand it because I'm like, what is there to worry about? What is there to have social anxiety? But yet I did the same thing. And for me, it's like traveling. Some of the 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 picky things, like I'll, I'll be vul- really vulnerable with you. 
What about if you're traveling all day and you're like, well, eventually I'll have to find a bathroom, right? Well, will I be able to find a bathroom? Um, what if there's an emergency there? Uh, what if I go to the wrong hotel? What if I someone doesn't speak the language that I speak? All these things that can distract you away from having a good trip. I end up thinking to myself, oh, yeah, I'm just a complete fool trying to control every single thing and worrying about things that can truly steal your joy. I was that way in college. I was part of a ministry team called Preaching Ambassadors. It was a 100% alumni-funded ministry that gave students who were in ministry a chance to preach at churches that supported the college. And they were all throughout Michigan, Indiana, Illinois, and Wisconsin, all the Nazarene churches. And most of these churches are small churches, less than 100 people. And I would go out three to four times a semester. You know, you would leave on a Saturday, you'd carpool with people, and then you'd get dropped off at your church. You'd stay with the host family or the pastor overnight. You would preach on Sunday morning, maybe go to the youth group, talk about the college because you're there to represent the college and the future ministers of the Nazarene church, hopefully. And then you would get back late on a Sunday night and try to get some work done, homework done, and everything else, right? That's what you would do. Well, one of the things that would cause me anxiety was, what am I going to say to these people? And I found that for the three years that I did that, sophomore through senior year, and then a couple years after that I did some pulpit supply, they were terrible sermons, terrible sermons. I, I did a community event like six or seven years ago in our park where I got to preach a little bit, and I was awful. Oh, I was awful. And it was all because I was focused on me about how much I could bring to the table, how much awesomeness I could project out there. Sorry, to, it's not a very eloquent way of putting it, but that's how I felt. You know, I'm, I'm an educated person, and I have some things to say. I like speaking, I like having all eyes on me, and I like being complimented. It was so conceited. And sometimes you still fight that today. But I was so worried. I would be like on the Sunday that I had to preach, the previous Monday, six days prior, I'm sitting in class. All I could think about was the weekend and say, oh my gosh, I have this sermon coming up. I have the sermon coming up. I, I just can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. I got to travel. I have to travel. I, I hated it, man. I, I hated it. I never had joy. It was fun going on adventures and seeing new places and seeing new things, but I didn't really appreciate the time that I had. What a shame. And that was all on me because I was trying to control. So I had found over the years that anxiety for me directly linked to things that I can't control, but I tried to. I tried to step in and play God. The things that I could control, my own responses and reactions to things, my own preparation. Well, you might be nervous if you had never prepared the sermon. You might feel guilty, but to pass that off as anxiety and think that I needed some sort of grace or mercy, no, it's 100% on me. It wasn't until I actually became a pastor and, and God used those times when I was leading a young adult group called Immersion at my former church, Jack's Naz, that I started to calm down a little bit. And when Eric, who's been on the podcast before, called me, I wasn't nervous at all when I preached down there for the first time. I remember what I preached about. I preached about the story of the prodigal son and how Christianity cannot be a life of convenience. 
And if you think it is, then you certainly don't belong in the church because if you're going to make it all about you and when it's convenient for you, then that's, that's not a way to that. That's the different religion. That's not Christianity. And it was well received, but I wasn't nervous at all. I wasn't filled with anxiety. So I'm wondering for those of you who do, I'm not saying that this is going to be a hundred percent certain for you as well, but let's say that you have, you, you, you worry about things constantly. You do struggle with anxiety. These things that, you know, for you, that, that rob your joy, that, that constantly keep you uh, thinking about other things, stealing the moment. So when you're with your kid or when you're with your loved one, you're not present because you're worried about all these other things. Just remember the words of Jesus. He says it. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. Well, so does today. We haven't gotten through today yet. And the fact that this was said two millennia ago still rings true today. I want you to start finding a pattern that if you find yourself struggling from anxiety, where are you putting yourself in your own life? If you're a Christian, if you at least honor God in some part of your life, if he's supposed to be the person and the being that knows you the best, knows everything, and knows how to best run your life, and you're starting to get anxious. Where are you putting yourself in the pecking order? Are you telling God what's going to happen? Are you dictating to him how things should be? Just want to start finding some of these, these things. Like try, try to find this potential pattern here. And I think you'd be surprised that as soon as you just start, stop letting go. The cure for anxiety, Matthew 6. Just don't worry. Don't worry about it. Do not worry. Just get yourself out of the moment. Distract yourself. Find another activity. Something that takes your mind away from maybe the silence, maybe the worry. Just try it. I know that sounds really strange because the Bible itself just says, stop. And that starts with not idolizing yourself, not putting yourself above God. I hope this helps. Thank you so much for listening tonight. May God bless you. May God keep you.